O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! Pistons down four, 12-8, 7 to 38 to play the first one. Burst from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. The full crew here today, Brendan Johnson. Aaron Johnson and Ryan Pay. Boys, the last time we hit the pod, we were talking about whether the Pistons are the best team in the NBA or not. And then it kind of came up, oh, well, maybe they're not the best team in the NBA anymore. And they've played three games since we last potted, putting together a nice little one and two record, including a blowout loss to the 76ers, a tough loss to the Miami Heat, and a bounce-back win over the Orlando Magic the other night. So, Aaron, I'll start with you. And I'd just like to know, as we kind of take a look at where the Pistons sit right now, your overall thoughts on uh, your beloved Stones. Well, I will preface this by saying this past week I've watched the least amount of Pistons basketball since I started covering the team in 2014. This is like the happiest I've seen you, by the way, ever. Uh Maybe there's a correlation. Um, this is not good. <laughs> this is this is not good. The Pistons are really in trouble right now. Even with Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock missing time, like this team should not be dropping a game to the Miami Heat. Uh, they should be able to beat the Orlando Magic by more than seven points or whatever they beat them by. And they really did not put up much of a fight against the 76ers and what everyone told me was just an absolutely ugly and atrocious basketball game. Uh, so I'm worried about this team. I haven't gotten much time to look at film. I saw the fourth quarter of the game against Miami. This team just does not look good right now. That's just, that's just plain and simple. I'm really disappointed in the way Andre Drummond played. I know he had a nice game against the Magic. I looked at the stats. But as I've said on the podcast earlier this year, even with his stats, you know he has put up decent numbers. But I've just not been that impressed with Andre. Uh, I just feel like his motor's not there. I feel like his head is just not where it should be. I don't think it's as strong as it was last year at times when he was an all-star. Um, and I don't know if that's because he's just trying to, you know, shine next to Blake or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I don't know if jo- Joel Embiid has gotten into his head or, or whatever. But he just has not looked right to me. And obviously when he's your second best player, you need him to uh, be in the right place, you know, mentally so he can perform physically at a higher level, at the highest level. Um, Reggie Jackson... You know he's had his struggles at times, he's, but he's been overall pretty solid this year. And again, from what I was told, uh, these last few games, Detroit's given him the ball a little bit more, and they've ran some more typical pick and roll that him and Drummond have always thrived in together. Um, so that's encouraging to hear um, because it was definitely taking a toll on him, the off-ball work that you know I think eventually he's going to fit into, but it doesn't just come like this for a guy that's played on the ball his entire career. Um, but I'm not. I'm not going to sugarcoat that this in any way. Like the Pistons are in some trouble right now, and the way they have played has not been encouraging whatsoever. There's, there's, just there's a lot wrong with this team. Aaron, let me tell you, we we were talking early on in the summer how we thought this team could fight for that fourth seed in the East, maybe even be a three seed. Um, and I know it's still early. We're 10 games in. We're 500. It's early. But I think this this type of play is where this team 
finds its level. This is where water finds its level for this team. They'll get hot at some point. They'll also go cold at some point. But this is kind of where they're going to be their averages. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and it's rough. This is not a good-looking team. The starters are a rough bunch. Um, if Reggie Bullock's not careful, the second Luke Kennard's back, he's going to straight-up take that spot. Reggie Bullock can't buy a bucket, no matter what he does. Mid-range, three-pointer, layup. He can't put anything in the basket. Um just a whole starting group in general. Glenn Robinson's moved in for Stanley Johnson, something I predicted that would happen. It's good to see we're getting production out of the three spot, but at the same time, now the defense is gone that Stanley provided. So it's it's almost a wash. Do we? Um, the bench has to save this team. They did it against Orlando. They were doing it against Miami. Yeah. You can't live like that. You cannot live with your bench saving you every game. The starters got to get it going, and they're not. Something needs to change. But can it really? We've talked about it at nauseum. Nothing can really change with this team. You, you want to say something, or what do you want to say? Yeah, do do we talk about Stanley Johnson? Like, do we want to do this again? No, we don't want to do it, because Stanley Johnson's a, kind of a bum. But at the same time, he looks like he's finding his stride with the second unit, which is fine. Because if you put him back at the starters, he's just going to turn into what he was. And Glenn is putting up production offensively with the starters, and it's good to see. But his defense is not at the level Stanley Johnson is. And that was a wash. You can see against Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier was owning Glenn Robinson on the offensive side of the ball. Glenn couldn't keep up with him. Yeah, I think that, and I said it a few weeks back, but Stanley just needs to permanently be on the bench. Um, I don't know if his production off the bench will ever last, but I'm so sick of, of, of him going out in that starting lineup and not performing. You know, he's a fine player defensively. You know, we, we've we've hit that in the ground so many times and I've just said that it'll come offensively for Stanley but it just doesn't look like it ever will fully come so if he can find a role off the bench where he can be productive you know he can get you some buckets he can initiate the offense a little bit run the pick and roll and then he brings that defense and I guess you can use him if you just really need to stop defensively with the starters that's fine Um, but I think it's crazy because I think we could be looking at a situation where by the time Luke Kennard comes back, if Reggie Bullock's still off the way he has been this year, and he has really been off after being one of the best three-point shooters in the league last year, um, we could see a starting lineup totally, or the starting wings totally inverse, and it'd be Kennard and Robinson, and then Bullock and Johnson coming off the bench, which I think is something no one expected. Um, but Detroit's got to make some changes here because what they're doing is not worked. They're not scoring the ball like they should be they're taking three pointers but they're not making three pointers and you have to find a way to 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 remedy that situation because this team doesn't look like they're capable of getting enough stops to be mediocre on offense and they're they're just not they're just not that good at, at on the offensive side of the ball so they got to put the best the best offensive players in and just try to outscore teams because defensively there's not enough talent on this roster to get enough stops I mean they only allowed 96 points to Orlando I know that was the best their best defensive performance of the season but for Christ's sakes it's the Orlando magic I mean Evan Fournier had 27 points and everyone else had you know 16 or less it's not like that team is is loaded with any top-notch scores or high-level players uh so they should do that, and they only won by seven because their offense just isn't that good, and they only generated 103 points, which in today's NBA is just not enough. Uh, Andre was fine, but I guess Stanley and Langston were decent off the bench, 
but besides that, I think Blake was just pretty average just looking at the box score numbers. You know, he didn't shoot the ball great. He definitely didn't shoot the ball great from three, and he turned the ball over, which is something he hasn't done a lot this season. But when he's turning the ball over and he's missing shots, that's going to bring his game down a lot, and that's going to hurt the Pistons because then you have to you don't have to put as much defensive pressure on him. And then your shooters like Bullock and Robinson and Jackson, they all get covered. So uh, Dwayne Casey's got to find a remedy to this, this problem with their offense. They're not generating good enough looks. They're not making the looks that they get. Um, and that more so is on the players when it comes to making the shots. But uh, Detroit's not getting enough clean looks out of their offensive sets. And, hey, real quick, I don't want to take it the wrong way that uh, my up. Uh, my wash statement about Glenn Robinson and his defense and his offense about putting Stanley Johnson back in the starting lineup, I don't want that. I want to make that clear. Don't want Stanley Johnson back in the uh, starting lineup because he doesn't belong there because he can't hang with the starting group. Um, it's just what it's just so disappointing that we finally get some offensive production and the defense just goes straight to hell. And that's a problem. But, I mean, like you said, what? What can we do? The offensive production's not there. The defensive production's not really going to be there in whole as a team. Um, when Blake struggles like he did, he didn't have a great shooting night. Um, Aaron Gordon did a pretty decent job on him for when Aaron Gordon wasn't because he was battling foul trouble. The offense just stymies because if Blake Griffin's off at all, this team is in so much trouble, and that is a huge problem. You know, guys, you talk a lot about the wing depth and where guys belong and um, Stanley and Langston have been okay off the bench but you know a big problem with this Pistons team right now is that they're not shooting the ball very well overall from the field uh, they're shooting about an average of 41% from three they're shooting under 32% overall which is not good um, and some of their losses they've shot the ball in the, the, the 20% range from in the 20s not just 20, but like 25, 27% from three. Um, they did pull off a win versus Orlando, shooting under 30% from three, so that was kind of impressive. But this is a team that's predicated around having guys that can stretch the floor, kick out shooters. And I know that, you know, that kind of rides on Luke Kennard, who's hurt, and Reggie Bullock, who missed several games. So I do understand that. But this is a team that overall, they have to shoot the ball better. They're not going to beat you defensively. This is not a defensive powerhouse team. We saw that in the Stan Van Gundy era. But they've got to be able to put the ball in the bucket. And right now, they're just not able to do that at a good enough efficiency, Aaron. At 30.5% from the three-point line on 32.8 attempts per game, the Detroit Pistons ranked 29th in three-point percentage, only ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, does that tell you really all you need to know? A team that's built on three-point shooting is taking over 32 shots a game from the long line, which is a top-of-the-half league number. That's 12th in the NBA, and they're only connecting on 30.5% from that far out. You know, that's your offense, and, and you're only making those shots at a, a 32% you know, percent clip. That's an issue. Uh, that's a big issue. So I don't know what to say. It's really on the personnel. You know, Luke Kennard is out. He's probably your best three-point shooter. Reggie Bullock, not hitting shots. There's nothing really you can say besides he's not hitting shots. You lost Anthony Tolliver, who was the team's best three-point shooter last year. I've already talked about how Detroit needed to make that priority number one to re-sign him, but they didn't. Um, Glenn Robinson, he's kind of an eh. He's not really done enough and gotten enough minutes to really matter yet. Um, 
I mean, we're playing Jose Calderon 12, 15 minutes a game. So that, I mean, all he can really do is shoot, but at the same time, he doesn't. He doesn't shoot the ball because he's he's just kind of out there. He's just kind of that fifth guy, I guess. I don't know what why he's ever on the court in the year 2018. Um, you know, John Lewis not hitting threes like he was when Detroit brought him here. Blake Griffin's been a consistent three-point threat for Detroit. Um but the team just isn't making shots. I mean, we can go down the list. Langston's not hitting threes at a high enough rate. This team just isn't isn't knocking on threes. And Ish Smith, I mean, everyone was ready to herald him, you know, this top three-point shooter. And, oh, my God, if he can shoot the three like this, he's better than Reggie Jackson. And now he's shooting 24% in the last, like, five or six games from the court. So, uh, you know, the hot shooting regressed for him and the hot play regressed for this entire team. And uh, it's just this uh, sticky situation. So the Pistons currently sit at 5-5, five and five, good for the 8th seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Just behind them, the Brooklyn Nets, who they've split the season pairing a pair of matches with, uh, who sit at 5-6, and six, so just a half game ahead. But the Pistons have a relatively favorable schedule coming up. If you look at their next three games, they play the Hawks, who are towards the bottom of the East. They play the Hornets, um, on a team that they really, again, should be able to beat. But then, next week... They bring in the Toronto Raptors. That's going to get ugly. Eleven and one. Oh, excuse me. They go to Toronto to play the eleven and one Toronto Raptors, led by Kawhi Leonard, who just the other night twenty five and eleven. Are you kidding me? This guy's playing real well in Toronto, and they are having a lot of success up there uh, north of us. Toronto's a good ball club. They really look like I picked Boston to come out of the East. But Toronto looks good enough that they can beat Boston if Boston can't figure all out all of their issues, but I think they are doing so. Um, but Kawhi has looked obviously great. He looks healthy. I know he's sitting some back-to-backs and some some road games and stuff like that. But Kawhi Leonard's been the best point guard in – I mean, excuse me, Kyle Lowry's been the best point guard in the Eastern Conference so far this year, averaging over 10 assists per game, scoring the ball with great efficiency. Uh, he's doing it all for that team. It, when Kawhi's not playing, they're deep – deep the – Deep as hell. I mean, they're deep. Might be as deep as Boston at this point. You know, you got Ibaka who's playing well. You got Pascal Siakam backing him up. They can go with Jonas Valanciunas off the bench at times. Uh, they have Danny Green now. This team is just so deep. Nick Nurse has obviously figured out what to do with this roster, which is good for him as a, a first-year head coach and with such a talented roster and high expectations and trying to manage Kawhi and want to want make Kawhi want to continue to be in Toronto so he's done a fantastic job and you know I, I, I'm not necessarily shocked but I didn't think Toronto would be this good this early on in the season uh, so not looking forward to that game from a Detroit standpoint no I'm right there with you Toronto's going to absolutely run them off the court um Playing Atlanta, that's a game, like Brendan said, they should win. Will they? Who knows? Right now this team looks like a team that's not really having a lot of fun playing together at times. Um, They look a little disinterested at times. Um, They're not shooting well. It's just, it's a big problem. I don't, like you said, Aaron, what do you even say at this point? What is there, like, what, we can't come up with the solution. Like, what do you even say at this point? It's just a team that, Honestly, it needs some sort of change somewhere. And switching up Glenn Robinson and Stanley Johnson was not enough of a change. You know what I mean? Could I could I pose a question here? Because I saw it on Twitter, and I was interested to get your guys' opinion on this. Uh, would you, for, in a straight-up swap, would you trade Andre Drummond for Bradley Beal? 
Would I do that? Yes. Yes. We need more scoring from the perimeter, uh, coming off the wing, shooting. I would do it. I'm sorry. Uh, as good as Andre Drummond seems to be playing at times this year, he's not doing enough. And I, the stats, sure, the 2020s and all that. But I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not as sold just by the stats as I am in general. Amen. But do you know what I mean? For years, you, it's just it's just a fact. This team needs another wing score. Blake Griffin needs another wing score. I think. I mean, you're, you'd be sliding Zaza Pachulia in at the five. I think Blake and Zaza can make up with the rebounding. Blake's doing a lot better job rebounding this year. Um, it'd be tough. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time. We've talked about it. When Dre goes up against bigger guys than him, he gets beasted on the boards. But, Ryan, here's the thing, right? And I agree. That's a, it, To me, that's a no-brainer. I do it. The reason why, if you get another playmaker, you get another wing scorer in Bradley Beal, right, you can make up for your losses at the five. Agreed. And if that does – and maybe it doesn't change much this year. Maybe the Pistons are still an average to above average ball club. You know, their ceiling may be the same, but you can replace Andre Drummond and find somebody that can give you minutes uh, of value at that center position, a guy that can rebound the ball. There's plenty of guys in the league if you just need a rebounder that can rebound. But if you get another shooter, a guy that's instantly going to improve your shooting percentage from both inside and outside the arc, a guy that's going to be able to make dynamic plays and set up driving lanes and kick out opportunities for Blake Griffin, he instantly makes the offense better. And Andre, yes, I mean, Andre gives you a lot of those, you know, 20 and 20 kind of nights, but... Let's not forget that at least eight or nine of those Drummond rebounds are just everybody clearing out of the way and Andre scooping it up. He's not, like, fighting his ass off to grab those boards. They're kind of just handed to him. They're stat patterns. Okay. So, yes, Andre – I'm not, you know, uh, discrediting Andre's value, but I think it's a no-brainer – to add another dynamic player in Bradley Beal and try to replace the production you get at the five spot. And don't forget, boys, you have Henry Ellenson. Stop, dude. Why are we doing this? Henry Ellenson's in the no, G League let's, right let's, now. Let's cut that off hey, right now. 27 points. Cut his the mic. G League the other night. Oh, my right. goodness. Cut his mic. So let's, cu- let's cut that off right now. Um, What have we talked about? What have I talked about on Twitter, on the pod, and we've talked about is somehow the Pistons need to find a way to get Blake Griffin help on the wing. Another legit score, which will take some of the pressure off of him and open up his game more. And that's something Bradley Beal would do for this team. So that in and of itself is another reason why I would go for it. Aaron, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I kind of teetered and tottered on it, but I think I agree with you guys that I would make that trade. The only thing stopping me is what Detroit would have at the center position. There just has to be a move to be made because then you're left with Zaza, and that's mm-hmm. not going to go well. Um, but I think I would. I, I think I would take it. I know Bradley Beal hasn't shot the ball well from the three-point line this year. He's only he's shooting under 34% from deep, but career he's above 39% from the long line. He's averaging 22.6 points, 3.7 assists. So he's a secondary type of playmaker for this team for the Wizards. Um, you know, would definitely bring that to Detroit as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, 
can just do a little bit of everything. I think wing scoring is crucial next to Blake Griffin because Blake Griffin can operate inside, and you can't just clog the paint on him because Andre's not going to go outside either. Drummond's going to be in the paint, so that eliminates another player you can get a bucket from unless Blake's making a quick pass up top to Drummond rising. Um, but Beal brings that outside scoring, playmaking, facilitating. Uh, the, the, the numbers, shooting-wise, will, will rise back to normal for him. He was an all-star last year. Uh, he's pretty durable, played eighty-two, all 82 last year, 77 the year before that. Um, so he's a pretty durable player. I would I would make that trade. I think I would hesitate on it probably more than both of you would. But at the end of the day, I would I would make it. There has to be a secondary move lined up because like for the for the big man spot for the five spot to replace Trey. So like you said I guys like you said and like I said, it's a hesitation that Zaza is going to be the one sliding in. I like him off the bench, but him sliding into the starting role, I'm not too thrilled about. There would have to be some sort of secondary uh, move in the bag, you would feel. But this is where you could then take one of your guys from the wing. I wouldn't move Kennard, but whether it's Bullock, whether it's Glenn Robinson, whether it's Stanley, and maybe you could dangle them around and see what kind of big can you get in return for one of them. Because you bring in Bradley Beal, and now you've got a real clog on your wing spots, right? Because there's going to be an odd man out, especially if Langston Galloway continues to get the kind of minutes he's getting. So, with that being said, maybe a guy like Stanley Johnson can land you a, a you know a low to mid level center option. Whether you want to start him over Zaza or not, just depends on fit and who you end up getting. But go out and try to make that kind of move. And another team might be might be willing to give up a lot for a guy like Stanley, who's still in some eyes like Aaron's have super high potential. You just gotta always throw a dig in there, man. Like why we gotta be hostile every week. <laughs> Every week we gotta be hostile. I think it was just, just a fact. So, what do you think about that? What what uh, Brandon just brought up? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if Detroit would get anyone of real value just in a one-on-one kind of deal. You might even have to package, let's say, Johnson and Bullock together. If if you really want to get a starting level center, which is what I think they would have to do, I don't think you can start Zaza in 2018. You're not the Golden State Warriors. Um, I think you have to probably package two of them together or, or, or one of the wings and another player or a pick of some sort to get a, at least a decent center. Um, but, again, it goes, it, yeah, you got to have a secondary move because that trade alone does end up leaving too big of, a, of an opening at center and then there's too many minutes or there's not enough minutes to be had at, on the wings. I agree. I definitely agree, but... If that, that if this is a legit possibility, and this is something that could actually be brought up to Stefanski and to Washington and all this stuff, I, you got to consider it. I think you got to do it. You need this other wing scorer. You you need to help Blake on the offensive end. And you, I don't know. I'm just I'm ready. I'm ready for a change already. The group of Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. So I feel like something needs to change. They've been doing this together for a while now. Yep. For a while now. And no matter who we put around those two, it doesn't really seem to be getting better. And we just brought in the coach of the year in the NBA, the reigning coach of the year. And I understand it takes time when you're changing a philosophy and a way to play, but it just does not appear to be getting better. You know, another thing to consider with Dwight Howard in Washington, let me ask you this. 
let's no, say no, he's not coming to Detroit. No. But let's say you could get Bradley Beal and Dwight Howard no. or Andre Drummond and Bullock, Stanley, or both. Would you make that move to acquire no. Bradley Beal? No. Get Dwight Howard the heck away from my basketball team. Not a chance. Yeah, I got to say, at this point, it's crap. I can't take Dwight Howard on. I just can't. He's uh, So you would keep Andre and pass on the opportunity to get Bradley Beal? Yeah. If it means I got to take on Dwight Howard, hell yeah. Dwight Howard's not not a basketball player anymore. The dude literally sat out the first however many games of the season because he injured his ass, you know? So I don't want that issue in my locker room. I I know it's tough. Trust me, Brendan. We're here in person together. Trust me. It's tough because I really, really, really want that wing score. But it's Dwight Howard. This isn't Dwight Howard from five, six years ago. No, it's not. This is Dwight Howard now, who's just kind of a bum and a goof and doesn't really care. He honestly doesn't. He just doesn't really care about playing anymore. Brennan, you don't like Andre Drummond. How are you going to watch Dwight Howard? I know, right? It's it's a worse version at this point of Andre Drummond, man. You know, I guess I look at it and I say that, yeah, Dwight Howard, he's on, I believe, a two-year deal with Washington. So at the most, you'd have him next year, and then he'd be gone. For me, the opportunity to bring in a scorer like Bradley Beal to solidify your wing, um, you know, and and have Beal and Blake Griffin on the floor together to have two dynamic scorers, I feel like I bring on Dwight, and in the worst case scenario, you either buy out his contract or you try to move him. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just keep him away from my team. You're telling me that somebody wouldn't take Dwight. If you were willing to give away Dwight Howard for almost nothing, you're telling me that somebody wouldn't take him on? Is that what what you're telling me right now? Look at the team that took him on. It was the Washington freaking Wizards of all teams. A team that has perpetually been mediocre. And they're 2-7 on the season. They're not meshing whatsoever. Dwight Howard has come back and not helped whatsoever. Like no, I, I don't. I think I think if you have a brain, a, as a GM, as an executive, you know Dwight Howard only hurts your team, so you stay the hell away from him. I, I tend to agree with Aaron on that one. I do. I trust me. You know how hard it is for me because I want that wing scorer, but it's just not there anymore for Dwight. It's just, just to post, not there. Just had to pose the question. I appreciate it. Just had to pose the question. And we can't afford to buy out Dwight Howard. We're still paying freaking Josh Smith five and a half mil a year. Oh, the Pistons. The Good management, guys. Pistons. Good management. Gotta love it. So, guys, you know, as we we get close to rounding out the pot here, let's just kind of take a look at the upcoming games for Detroit. Again, talking about how they play the Hornets, Dwight Howard's former team. But first, they play the Atlanta Hawks, and then that's followed up with next week. They play the Raptors. We'll be... Uh, those are the three games they play before we pod next. And, you know, looking at it, the Pistons have to find a way to go 2-1 and one in these next three games, oh, yeah. guys. Get them above 500 and maybe start to get a little bit back on track with, you know, I, I, Ryan, you said it best. This is an average basketball team. And I think this is what you're going to see out of the Pistons. You saw their high, you saw their low, and I think you're going to see it kind of level out and be an average basketball team. Going forward, they need to find a way to win 
two out of three when they have three favorable or two out of you know two out of three when they have those favorable matchups mixed in there and then occasionally sprinkle in some wins over some good ball clubs as well to solidify if they're legitimate or not in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. And they have to win two of these three games. They have to start by honestly, I think they have to win by fifteen or so against Atlanta. They gotta make a statement at some point here. Yeah. I was gonna say the same thing. This has to be a 15-point-plus win. They've got to come out and run Atlanta off the floor because they're better than Atlanta. They are, and they have to prove it. Just like, honestly, they're better than the Magic, but yet here we are, the Magic hung around. It's just nonsense. The game against Charlotte, that will be a close game either way um, because those teams are kind of even in the fact. I still think the Pitchers should win that game too. Like I said, like Aaron said and like I said earlier, Toronto, I think that's going to be another Philly situation from a couple games ago kind of just going to get run off the court. Um, but they have to make a statement against Atlanta. That's, that's step one. We are not bottom feeders. We can take out and take care of low-level teams. Something the Pistons haven't done in the past. That's true. For doing it. For them to reinstill any confidence that, that I would have in them, they have to go out and wallop the Hawks tonight. This cannot be a close game. The Hawks are not a good team. The Pistons need to go out there. Honestly, 15 might even be too little. Like, honestly, this team should probably win by 20, 25 points. They need to go out there and they need to respond because they've not played good basketball lately, and that's unacceptable the way that they've played. They need to go out on that court and they need to play like they. this is a Game 7 of an NBA championship. They need to go out there and win this game, and they need to go beat Charlotte because they, they, they like... The way they play Charlotte every year is, is funny. It's like they're going to win one by a lot, they're going to lose one by a lot, and then the other two or one or two games they play, they're going to be pretty even. So hopefully they can either blow them out or make it one of those even ones that they end up winning because this team has to beat the teams that they're better than, and they're better than Charlotte. Nothing about Toronto? Well, I mean, I we, me and Ryan already had talked about how they're probably going to get destroyed by Toronto. Right. You know, I've got a weird feeling. Got a weird feeling that the Pistons are going to find a way to go two and one in this stretch, but they're going to lose that game to Atlanta, and they're going to bounce back and beat the Hornets and the Raptors. They're going to be what you know the Pistons maybe in the past have been. Well, they're in this kind of we're competing stage. They're going to go out. And they're going to lose a game to Atlanta, and everybody's going to start you know panicking, flipping out. Oh my God, the season's over. Blow it up. Then they're going to go out. And they're going to beat the Hornets in a pretty uh, convincing fashion, and you're going to be like, holy crap. And then they're going to tease you, and they're going to pull off a tough one versus the Raptors. And they're going to say, hey, remember that four-seed conversation? Remember that home court advantage? Yeah, we're still in that mix. And everybody's going to get all high again, and we're going to be feeling good. And then again, the Pistons will go through another low wave. I see this being a wavy team. So that's going to be my maybe rather bold prediction going into um, this week in the next three-game stretch. I mean, I can I can see it happening without a doubt. It's not like the trends of this Pistons team over the last ten years have changed at all. It's it's a very predictable team. You can I can very much see them going out tonight and losing by ten to Atlanta and just being like, what the hell is going on? Yep. And then they go to Char- Char- they play Charlotte and they just dominate them. And you're like, what? Okay. And then you go see them in Toronto and they pull off a tough one. You're like, what is happening right now with this team? That's, li- that's literally been how it's been for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. 
I don't see any reason why that might not happen tonight. They're going into this week. They're going to go on the road to Atlanta, and they're going to lay an egg. Trey Young's going to go off. You watch. That's what's going to happen. And then they're going to find a way to bounce back. And going into that Cleveland Cavaliers game, which they should win on the 19th, everybody's going to be going, oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. And then, you know, they got the Rockets back-to-back, and reality will again sink in for the Pistons. So, uh, that is my prediction as we go into this week. Boys, a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, it'll be interesting to see where the Pistons go, how they play, how they adjust, right? We've talked about the wing depth. We'll see what they decide to do and uh, the changes they make going forward into this next week of play. So that's going to kind of wrap for us here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. But before we go, you know the drill. Like rate, review, subscribe to the pod, give us a follow on Twitter at A. Johnson NBA at Ryan Pay at Media Brendan um, at Palace of Pistons as well give our page a follow, check out the website uh, for the content that Aaron and our slew of writers uh, definitely put out there at palaceofpistons.com Palace Pistons on Instagram, shoot that a follow as well for all the latest updates is again tonight the Pistons play the Hawks They've got two big matchups coming up after that with the Hornets and then the Raptors, two of the teams that in the early season race are in the playoff mix. So an exciting time, an exciting week for the Pistons coming up. So we appreciate everybody tuning into this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. And hopefully the Pistons are sitting above 500 when we talk to you next time here again on the Palace of Pistons podcast.